and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, your source of practical strategies to keep everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. I'm your host, Theomi Rotenberg, and today we're bringing you part two of my chat with Lauren Rubin about how she used her expertise to manage the relationship between her own pets. If you're just joining us for the first time, you can find the first part of our interview in last week's episode. There's a link in the show notes. Let's get back into it. They do have a client who has a cat and a dog that don't do well. And her cat has hands down the best place behavior that I have ever seen in a, like, first off in a cat, he's probably in the top 10 dogs that I've seen. He has this, they have this really cool, their house has this neat alcove. I think it's meant for like a vase or something, <laughs> but instead they put a blank, she put a blanket up there and he learned to go to place. And no matter where he is in the house, if you're like Kiki place, he's like <laughs> placed and then he'll fall asleep. And the dog has a place nearby. They can both coexist in their own places, chill, relax. I've like, again, I'm just so amazed with her. She worked really hard. He not only goes to the place, but he'll like sleep in it. He just chills so hard, so fast. It's awesome. That is awesome. Which is so nice. My nerdy brain just went to, I wonder if it's such a strong behavior because it's being both negatively and positively reinforced. Right, because you get the removal of the scary dog situation. So the dog's not up in your face. And then mom like Mm -hmm. coos and praises and pets and feeds you snacks by hand. And again, the scary dog can't get to you. Yeah. And I think that A, like we're almost always dipping into multiple quadrants, right? At any given occasion. Not not that quadrant, but the other quadrant. Uh, (laughs) And it helps when, again, it's kind of that functional reinforcer of, oh, if I am up here, no one can get to me. And then he has such a strong reinforcement history of great things happening to him there. His mom put a lot of cookies in that jar. (laughs) Love me a good place cookie jar. Yes. Literally. Usually there's a jar near the place yes. of cookies. Yeah, because it's um, convenient. I now have jars stashed all over the house. <laughs> the thing that I like to think about in terms of negative reinforcement, and I think it does come up the most when we're talking about cats avoiding mm-hmm. dogs being too much, although there are definitely cats that are too much and dogs who need space from them. So yeah. it's not <laughs> it's not a one-sided thing. I have a client yeah. with a um, a hound mix who we've been working on integrating with their cat and he's doing great with the female cat. And I have no idea why, but every time her male cat turns his eyes on this dog, the dog's like, ah, and just books it. They've never had a negative interaction together as far as I know. But for whatever reason, the cat looks at the dog and the dog's like, don't see me. <laughs> and it's just the most bizarre thing. Yeah, it's so bizarre. I mean, I love him. Like, bless him. I don't know what's going on there. We've worked a lot on place. Like, you don't have to run when you see the cat. Just don't run at the cat. <laughs> but he's fine as long as the cat's not looking at him. He turns those moonbeams directly on him and he's like, I'm done. it's so weird. Cat eyes are scary. And he has like, he's one of those cats with the humongous pupils. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot of like the differences between cat and dog body language where like there's gonna be some miscommunications going on. Large eyes staring at you with no blinking. Um, also known as cats. <laughs> yes, but for real though. <laughs> also known as cats. If dogs aren't familiar with the fact that like that's just a thing that they that those cats do it's not indicative of any particular amount of mood or arousal or whatever not a warning sign that i'm triggered angry upset totally they cannot handle it yeah and i actually tend to teach cats who have freaky eyes towards the dog to 
to have a really good whiplash turn. Nice. Because it is that stare that is the trigger for the dog and not even the movement of the cat necessarily mm-hmm. as much as like I'm coming at even even like it's like the, it's like the threat of the coming at even though he's not moving. Totally. Um, totally cuz the the as far as the dog can tell the intention there. I love that. I'm going to text him mom after this and be like, "Hey, I just had an idea." <laughs> and by that I mean yeah, Naomi had an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Just, you know, Turn those moonbeams around. Huh. And then you could reinforce the dog for either moving away slowly or moving to a different settle spot. And that would be negatively and positively reinforced. Because we get to move away from the free cat. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I think I I very rarely, I can't think of the last time I ever, I done this, set up a negative reinforcement contingency. Mm. But in these kinds of cases where there is animosity between animals in the home, like there are going to be triggers and there are going to be stressors, Mm -hmm. no matter how much management you do, there's going to be negative reinforcement contingencies at play. So we might as well use them. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I don't like the idea of being like, here's a cat in a crate and I'm going to either like move the cat closer and then move it further or whatever. That's setting up a synthetic negative reinforcement condition that does not and it's probably very stressful for the cat because they can't move. Yes. Um, when I, I used exactly. to work in our local shelter and as the dog behavior trainer and people are always like, oh, well, do you know if the dogs go with cats? No, I don't. Well, can you find out? Nope. I will not subject any shelter cat to this experience. We had a little yeah. fake, like a little robotic cat. And I was like, what I can tell you is as far as robotic cats go, this dog <laughs> does X, Y, Z. I don't know what he's going to do with a real cat, but the robot cat does it, this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And well, yeah, cat testing in and of itself is a whole uh, thing. I should do like a whole episode on cat testing. Um, if you do that, Trish McMillan, talk to her about it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Cool. Wonderful. I will. I will. She's like a little above my pay grade. So I'm going to have to get up a little bit of a gumption to, to ask her. <laughs> I feel this. So, <laughs> that's like you telling me to like email Susan. Right. Like, oh, just go chat up Ken Ramirez. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. I took an IAABC course from Trish in the shelter and uh, two years ago and then recently did a like peer-to-peer. She calls them peer-to-peer consults because I needed help with the case. But let's be real. It was mentee to mentor consult. And I spent the whole week telling everyone I knew that I was going to get to hang out with Trish McMillan for an hour. So yeah, I almost fainted when I saw Shirag Patel at Clicker Expo. So it's <laughs> yeah. Oh, fine. back in the good old days, those in-person conferences. We'll get back there. Someday. We will. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Going back to. Sorry, green it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. I will. I will message Trish um because yeah cat testing is gonna is a lot of people ask about that because right they want to know ahead of time is this going to work they want to have a sense of even if it doesn't work right now is this going to be a project is this going to be possible and the answer is you don't know it's not even just like dog dog stuff right people say oh we'll just have like a play date with them or like meet through a fence or whatever I mean you have more shelter experience than me but it doesn't translate. It just doesn't translate. Nope. At all. We, the mantra is shelter behavior is not home behavior. I can't even tell you how this dog's going to do with people based on their shelter experience if we're being 100% honest. 
shelter behavior is not yeah. home behavior. I don't behave the same way when I'm taking, you know, a super stressful exam as I do in my regular life. And it's the equivalent. The animals there are under a lot of stress. They behave yeah. differently when they're wigged out. Yeah. So no, I'm definitely not going to shove a cat in their face at that point. <laughs> Yeah. And I wish that I could say, you know, a lot of people contact me and they say, you know, is this something that you think will work out? And I mm -hmm. say, well, we can try. Yeah. And I, it, there are positive signs, right? right? I'm not here seeing a lot of red flags, but it's never going to be predictive. Yeah. And that's the, and that's the why hardest. we never leave them alone together. Right. Even at the, in, in the magical world where everything is fine, like unless they've grown up together and like have never had an issue. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to recommend like always having some management around. Yep. Again, Fen and their cat do great together and she is never left unsupervised in the house with him. I mean like unsupervised. She's not currently being supervised because I'm talking to you, but I'm here yeah. so I can help our house is 800 square feet um so i definitely know what's happening but <laughs> if i leave the house fence still goes in the bedroom we're not she one of you is 60 pounds and the other is like nine we're not taking any risks even if, even at her friendliest she could do serious mm -hmm. damage to him so for sure yeah but i it's a struggle on those consults because people do want like a if i'm going to spend this amount of money if i'm going to take this amount of time if i'm going to put in up this amount of heartache can you at least promise me it's going to get better and it's like there is no point through this process at which i can guarantee you that everything is going to turn out all sunshine and rainbows you know like you said we can look at the red flags and if i'm not seeing them it's like yeah i think it's worth giving it a shot and realistically you need to understand that you may have to make a decision either to create and rotate or in the case of cats like room and rotate, rehome somebody, you know, think about alternative options because we don't know. Yeah. It's hard. It's a bummer because they love both of their pets. And it's not easy. It's not like, all right, well, we've got the dog and then we just chuck the cat. It's like they're both beautiful individual entities. And sometimes life's just hard. Yeah. It's a bummer. Do you think Loki had was okay-ish with Fen because she was a puppy. You think that played a huge role in it? I think if we had brought home an adult dog, it would not have gone well. And I did when I early on when I got him had tried to live with a roommate and her dog not knowing his issues. Uh, and uh, that didn't work out. But I think that because Fen was a puppy, he was way more tolerant of just her existence. And again, I didn't really let her like do a lot of harassing or anything like that. But that puppy card goes a long way. But I also get clients who ask and are like, okay, so then with my reactive dog, if I bring in a puppy or if it's a kitten, is that going to mean that it'll be okay? It's like, that's not a guarantee. A, I don't think there's a kitten license from dogs. They don't know what that is. That's not a dog. <laughs> we got that much. Um, and not all, all adult dogs hand out puppy licenses. So mm -hmm. again, Loki was, I was blown away. He was remarkably tolerant of her. And again, like they never really played, but they'd get to a point where they could like be together and coexist without direct supervision. Still always separated if I wasn't home, but yeah, it's yeah, just not worth the risk. <laughs> Yeah, that I like that. I the puppy license, yeah. the kitten license. <laughs> you no, know, I think you you had the magic formula, which is you didn't rely on the potential puppy license. Right. You said from day one, there's going to be intense management here, and I'm going to be reinforcing the living blank out of behaviors that I want to see mm -hmm. in order to make that puppy license actually have merit. Right. Right. Like. Right. For the puppy licenses, like they can be freaking annoying. Yeah. Oh, it's more so than an adult dog. Yes. Right. So like Puppy that license can be ripped up and thrown like 
immediately. Seriously. I think Loki probably gave out a puppy punch card. And if 10 is like, we're cool and every, like 10 is the max you get. He was like, here's one punch. Do not come back for another. Like, this is what I'm going to give you. There will be no free ice cream at the end of this experience. Because <laughs> puppies are hard and they're super annoying. Like, I love Fen to death and I'm so glad she's eight now. <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part is I often get called out to help people with their, like, now six-month-old dogs and their nine or ten-year-old dog and they have been trying to just let the two dogs work it out and dogs don't really work it out and I would definitely never recommend that with a dog cat situation again the size difference is so intense generally don't recommend that with puppy adults either because the size difference is so intense or adult dogs because even if you're the same size that's real scary yeah yeah managing it carefully is so important again like you mentioned earlier like the management 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 Did we talk about management? Did we talk about management? Management. No. I think, well, let's, I want us just define a little bit, like we can say management 20,000 times and we have. Right. Do you have any kind of go-to management options that you just say, okay, like I hear this kind of case is coming down my pipeline. Like what management plan is going through my head to introduce to this client? Yeah. And um, anytime it's multi-species stuff, it's almost always first management plan is separate space. Everybody gets their own separate space. Nobody has interactions with each other until I can get there, depending on the level of intensity. Boy, it's hard to come up with these right off the bat without having like a case. Cause if it's just resource guarding, no toys together until I get there. But if they coexist fine, otherwise they can still spend time together. If um, we're having full-blown blow-up fights, it's like we're not two weeks, we don't see each other, and then I show up and we see what happens. Mm -hmm. And by see what happens, that's not a, like, now we're going to let them work it out. It's like, I'm going to meet each dog individually, check your plan, go from there. So it really depends on what's happening, but almost always, because I only do behavior cases, I don't do puppies or anything else like that, it's almost always... We're going to get a two-week stress vacation management plan. So whatever the triggers are, we're going to eliminate them from your life as much as humanly possible. And then we're going to implement the training. But they're going to get a chance to like let those cortisol levels drop, stop immediately having negative feelings as soon as we see the other animal. It's like living with a roommate that you you get to a point where everything your roommate does is a pet peeve if you have not been getting along. Mm-hmm. Like listening to them breathe is an annoyance. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's nowhere to start there. If you're already up to your eyeballs in it, there's no... St- no room to be like okay but like what if they did the dishes wouldn't that feel good no they'd just be doing it out of a sense of obligation whatever you know we've all had that roommate and same with the dog and other dog or dog and cat it's like there's i don't care how many french fries you shove in my face i'm already up to here i have no room left Mm -hmm. to give no grace for this other animal but if we give them a little break they relax a little bit we don't immediately on seeing each other have this like huge fight or flight response then we get that sweet wriggle room where it's like, okay, now we can start an intervention plan. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. And my mind is just going to the one of the the quote unquote red flags that we were talking about of like the prognosis yeah. for these things. One of them is actually completely unrelated to the animals and it's the space that you live in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So like if you live in a studio apartment. Yeah. I was just thinking that. I was like, yeah, if you're in a 200 square foot studio, abort the mission. Right. Like cat in bathroom is your only option. Not good. (laughs) You know, I I mean, unless you have a tiny toy dog, that would be a potential bathroom scenario for like a minute. Yeah. But I'm just picturing like all the New York apartments that I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It just, it, it has complete, like that is the foundation of everything. Like if you can't be in your home without 
a large amount of stress, there's yeah. no point in trying to work on any kind of behavior modification because there's they're never going to be able to come down from it. They're never going to feel safe in their own home. And how can you do that to your pets? How can you have them be feel perpetually unsafe in their homes? Yes. That's the last thing we want to do. Yeah. And that's always when I come down to, especially having worked in a shelter, when I do bring up, and I don't often have to talk about rehoming, but it does occasionally come up, usually in those untenable situations where either it's like, you know, the the lifestyle in your home is not going to work with this. We live in a studio apartment, whatever. And moving is not an option, etc. Or, you know, we've worked really hard. It's become obvious now that these two animals are not going to safely coexist with each other. But what I find interesting is most people have this gut reaction of like, no, I could never rehome an animal because I'm not that person. I'm not one of those people. But in those cases, rehoming is really a gift because living your life stressed 24 7, 365, constantly worried about what your roommate's doing. Are they being creepy? Are they about to come around the corner? Are they going to scare me? That's a ooh, party on. <laughs> um, oh, hold on. We're not done yet. <laughs> I do live in a fairly busy street, but that's pretty intense. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's frisky. Also, isn't it like nine o'clock at night for you guys? <laughs> Yeah, that's loud. Yeah, that's oh, loud for nine oh, o'clock at night. Well, I mean, Billy. <laughs> well, to be said. To be fair, um, yeah, like I live in a <laughs> town of one hundred and fifty thousand people, and I moved here, and I was like, "This is the big city." So, um, <laughs> I know I'm cute. I'm from Oregon. It's all woods. It's all rural. <laughs> I'm jealous. I love Oregon. How do you even say it? Oregon. Oregon. I'm supposed to say Oregon. Yeah. So it is like gold ore or. Again, whatever you Oregon. do, don't. Yeah, Oregon. It's all kind of one mush. Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you do, don't say it the way Peter Sagal does on Wait, 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 Don't Tell Me. As long as you don't do that, we'll be good. He's like Oregon. <laughs> I like die every time. Oh. <laughs> like, no, no, no. There's yeah, no way. That's how, I, that's how I say it. Shoot. Okay. I have to re, I have to retrain myself. You're good. Yeah. Retrain myself. Just every time Oregon, um, click treat. Just, and well, we'll break it down. Shaping, right? Or, 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 I know. Please include in your show notes. It's O-R-E dash A dash G-U-N. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Everyone okay. who ever listens to this will now know Oregon. how to sing. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> now when you get here, everyone will think you're cool. <laughs> Perfect. I only need a flannel. Yes. Um, oh you already know. <laughs> and you got to shave the side, shave the side of your head or an undercut in the flannel and you're good to go. It's it. That's all you got to do. And eight tattoos. Nailed it. Darn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess even though I'm having the most wonderful time talking to you and we need to do this another time because you're fantastic. Um, you. Let's wrap up with my favorite general questions, which is there's two phases of cat dog existence, right? There's people who currently have a single species home and they're thinking about adding a member of the other species. Mm -hmm. And then there's the ones who are already in it and struggling. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for people in both of those areas? So let's start with what advice do you have for people who are thinking, let's add another species? Hire a trainer. <laughs> Get help. Get professional help first. Before they, before they choose their animal? Yeah, I um, I am a huge fan and I realize most people aren't necessarily this, uh, they're not as stressed and anxious in their general life as I am. But looking back, I wish that I had taken a trainer with me to the shelter when I had picked out Loki 
they probably would have told me not to take him. And I'm super glad I did because I loved him with my whole being. And he's the reason I became a dog trainer. But I would have at least had a better idea what I was getting myself into. And I think if you bring a trainer into your home before you bring in another species, the trainer can help you evaluate, is this a tenable situation? Do you have the space? Do you have the setup? What is it going to entail? What's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? What are we looking for in the other animals? So if we already have a cat and we're going to get a dog, what are the things we should look for in the dog? What are the questions we should ask the shelter? And vice versa. If you go into the shelter to get a cat, you know, we're not looking for a shy cat. We're not looking for a flighty cat. We're not looking for an aggressive cat. We're looking for a very easygoing. What's the cat that you can pick up and like cradle like a baby and we'll just let you do it? Not because they're petrified, but because they're like, hey, humans are weird. What are you going to do? <laughs> and having a trainer help guide that can be really helpful. And this is not a shameless self-plug. Just any professional trainer who has an understanding of interspecies experience would be really helpful ahead of time. Plus, then you can, instead of going to Petco the day you adopt your dog with your dog with you, buying a puppy crate and stuff, uh, which I definitely, true story. You can be a prepped ahead of time. You can get the other animal ready. You know, here's new stuff. You get to check it out. Here's the baby gate we're putting up in this room. You get to check it out. So it's not like all this new stuff has happened. And now this guy's here, mm -hmm. which can be a lot. Yeah. yeah so and I think that both space prep and current animal prep in terms of behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. So start that place behavior now. <laughs> yeah. Start place, yep. start a really good positive interrupter, attention noise, mm -hmm. right? Even one of the best thing, I mean, for dogs that like to chase is like an emergency down. Yeah. Is a good one too. We call them flying stops. Same thing though. Oh, yeah. I like that. Working yeah, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like just like boom, drop. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, my employee, Kiana, is really great at teaching invisible boundaries too. Like you don't cross this line unless you're invited, which can be really helpful in addition to baby yeah. and stuff. Yes. Physical management and behavioral management. Yes. To get everybody set up ahead of time for success and make sure you're bringing in the right other animal to be the, the as close to, as an approximation as you can get to the right mix. Yeah. 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 So if people are already struggling, what changes to that plan? <laughs> of the, you know, here's how it should have been. Well, it's not. Um, so yeah. let's work yeah. from where we are now, which we should be doing with all of our clients and all the people we meet. Wherever you are now, let's work forward. Yep. So what would you... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I share these stories about all of my mishaps because it's like, hey, no one's perfect. I should have known better and I did these things anyway. There's no judgment. Now, given what we have, what do we do? And first piece of advice is always management. Safety is always priority number one. So anytime you have a situation where safety is questionable at best, what is the what are the things we need to do to make sure that nothing scary happens to anybody? So I often sit down with clients and we make a list. What are all of the situations where bad things have happened? What are the situations where we think bad things might happen? And then how do we match those to a plan that will prevent those situations from occurring? And then uh, if you haven't already hired a trainer, that's the other piece of advice. Get help. We're here for you. <laughs> Doing it a lot is hard and scary and fun. Yeah. And I, you did say this one thing really kind of nonchalantly is like trainers who are familiar with interspecies relationships. Yes. Not every dog trainer yeah. knows how to deal with a cat. And it's yeah. really important to make sure that you're working with someone who is comfortable with these kinds of cases because it's very rare that you only need to work with the dog. <laughs> 
unless mm-hmm. you have a magical unicorn cat. Totally. And often people, the reason they call a trainer. I mean, again, we got lucky with that. But we- is because they don't have a magical unicorn yeah, cat. Um, and and yeah. the person needs to be comfortable with addressing the behaviors of both sides of the relationship and then also how to eventually yeah. move them closer together. And yes, there's a lot of things about totally. training dogs and cats that are similar and there are a lot of things that are not. Um, <laughs> so yes, make sure definitely. Um, and I think that that was, yes, ask your trainer. Again, we got lucky, like not only is the dream magic unicorn cat, but we also still did a lot of just general counter conditioning with him. If the dogs are around, you're getting mm-hmm. good stuff everything is for you little duder everything is for you so and because my husband was a like a very solid cat person had always had cats huge behavior nerd in his own right he knew how to set up the room how to make sure that our cat had hidey holes to get away high places to get away lots of options play enrichment which was all stuff i was learning because at that point i had been a dog trainer that had exclusively worked with dogs so having someone who gets the other species helps and since then, I've taken continuing ed on it, and I'm very lucky to be friends with Olivia, who I think you have done another interview with. Um, they're clicker kittens on Instagram. And Olivia is awesome about letting me be like, hey, can cats do this? What am I looking at? Tell me. Yeah. I mean, I was the kind of person that when we brought Sindri home, he would like flick his tail. And I was like, oh, cute. He's wet. That's not true. PSA. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yep. No, you guys can't see my face, but I made the face of extreme shame. Cats don't flick their tails because they're wagging them. They may add. Yeah. They may. Yeah. <laughs> they may add. <laughs> I'm actually talking um, like I have themes of the month in the cat and dog coexistence club and this upcoming month for halloween is cat body language so i was i have like the idea of just the halloween cat of being like what can we learn about yeah. cats in particular um and what they tell us subtly or not so subtly and yes that one of the easiest things to to look at is twitchy tail not good <laughs> not wagging leave that nope, cat not happy also wagging and dog is not always happy but definitely not happy in cats <laughs> Not always in dogs, yeah. not I mean, in cats. So, so the one caveat I will have is when they're lying down and there's like an occasional thump at the end of the tail. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, a little like, that tends to be yeah. okay. But if we're talking like full twitches. <laughs> yeah. We're in like side to side swingies. Yeah. No, well, I, I need to find, I'll find some some videos to put up in the bonus areas for people because we need to who can't see my right. beautiful hand gestures thumpy can't tell i mostly do in-person and virtual training where people can see me i'm like let me talk with my hands the whole time i'm doing that. that was gonna be my other two truths or a lie i was definitely a theater kid in case that was not apparent <laughs> spirits i as well <laughs> yes my people (laughs) i love it okay so you're the best thank you so much for talking with me thank you i am so sorry i'm all over the place so hopefully this edits down okay (laughs) this is the way everything is gold right it's it even if you don't think that it came out exactly the right way it's perfect so (laughs) my last question is if any listeners want to get in touch with you what's the best way to reach you yeah so we tried to keep it as easy as possible so the business is creative canine solutions so it's creative canine solutions.com it's creative canine solutions on facebook and if you'll get it creative canine solutions on instagram we're very active on both of the social media channels instagram is probably the one i'm the most active on because 
because I'm a younger millennial and that's how that party plays out. But reach out, holler at us anytime. We love, 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 love nerding out about behavior stuff. <laughs> so hard. So holler at us. We also do virtual consults. So no matter where you are, the furthest away I've done so far is Maryland. That's where I grew was really cool. Yeah. Nice. It looks pretty out there. Again, it's very far away. I don't know what goes on. <laughs> But yeah, you can find us out there. We do virtual stuff too intermittently, mostly for reactive talks. Um, so webinars, stuff like that. So yeah, follow us, like us, stay in touch. All right. You oh, I'm glad get more of I'm this. Glad weird you had a good time. I did too. <laughs> and I will link all of that information in the show notes as well. Is there anything else that you want to say before we sign off? Let's leave it on the note of if you are listening to this and you are currently struggling with either dog dog or dog cat stuff, like you are far from alone. Be kind to yourself. That is also really important is the human self-care aspect while you're working through any kind of household species stuff is just make sure you also have a management plan for your stress levels. Take care of your own self too. The blame game will get you nowhere and there's no point in worrying about it. It is what it is. Let's help you figure That's it out. exactly right. why I started the club. That is like, that is, I should just take Yay. that and just put it <laughs> there. You're not yes. alone and everyone has their stuff it. and it's really nice yep. self-care oh yeah. to discuss with other people who are also going through the stuff. <laughs> how in a judgment-free space supporting each other yep yep and again like professional dog trainer made all of the same mistakes (laughs) that's how we learn we grow we do better next time no shame in that game all right well thank you lauren it was a pleasure thanks for having me it was so fun (laughs) talk to you later yay bye Thanks so much for listening. If this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow me on Instagram at Praiseworthy Pets. I'd love to hear your suggestions. Who should I interview next? And if your pets aren't getting along and you don't know where to start, go download my free Pets Process Guide, a helpful step-by-step explanation of the process that I use with my own clients when helping them through their coexistence journey. You can get access to the guide by going to praiseworthypets.com guide. That's all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. See you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. <laughs>